0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the MD or the PhD of finesse. Mm -hmm. We were just debating that very topic. What is up, Dr. Finesse? How you doing? Good, sir. I'm doing very well. Thank you. This is After Impact, everybody. This is where we unpack the impact of our main show, Impact Theory. And today, we are talking Lori Harder, the esteemable, Mm. the incredible... What she has done in the fitness world is bananas, yeah. but now seeing what she's building outside of that is pretty exceptional.
1: Pretty exceptional. It's, uh, she, man, I, I think someone said it in the comments, she lives up to her last name, Harder. Nice. I mean, uh, no one wants to be considered hard. I mean, not too many women like to be con- called hardened or hard, mm. guys will take that any yeah, day of the week. That, like, yeah, I'm like hard, I'm hard, man. But you know, not too many women. But she has no qualms in talking about you know, coming from rock bottom, coming back up mm. to the top, having a tough life, and, you know, using that to her advantage. And so her name really does fit this harmonica. I mean, harmonica fits her, pretty much. So, nice. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, diving right in, uh, you know, some people break from bullying and some don't. Uh, she clearly did not break from bullying, but of course, in the beginning, I'm sure she broke at some point because mm-hmm. she did hit rock bottom. Um, but through her bullying, uh, she kind of developed a, I'll show you complex, uh, which I love, uh, because for one, I think that is the advantage of many people who are bullied. Mm. If they use that power, they can take that and just come back with it. We, we hear it from many successful people. They were always the underdogs. Some of these successful people were the underdogs right. and they use that to fuel that power. But how do you cultivate that courage? Cause there are also a lot of people who, when they're bullied they stay down they get kicked when they're down and they stay on the ground how do you cultivate that power
0: man that that is a really important thing that everybody has to discover in their life because it is really astonishing to me how these agents whether they be the inner city which is how this question really first got on my radar whether it's bullying whether you know it's a disability whatever most of the people that have that thing, they are broken by it. And so walking backwards into what are the mechanisms by which you really begin to overcome that. And I think this takes us into something that we we talked a lot about in this episode, which is nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. So there's the incredible Shakespeare quote nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Like, if people could just yeah. really mm-hmm. embody that. Like, there are things that happen to you. And yes, we could present them with just the facts. Um, Lori Harder is a woman. Lori Harder um, got uh, abducted, quite frankly. Well, in fact, because even that word has judgment in it. Lori Harder got in a taxi cab with somebody who physically restrained her from getting out. Um, and they physically restrained her from getting out because they wanted money. And Lori Harder's neurochemical reaction was one of fear and panic. You know, okay, so we could do that, right? But then that is like the, while driven in facts, is not the human experience. Because the way that you experience it is with all the words that create the judgment. It becomes a story. And we tell ourselves a story about the things that we've gone through, about where we are, what it means, how people react to us, why that is like, and in that telling, I mean, this is like the central thrust of my life in understanding that story and understanding the power that that story is going to have, whether you intended to have or not, The words that you choose, the framing you choose, the reference from which you look at it, whether you believe that it was something in the words she uses, which I'm actually deeply uncomfortable with these words, which is why I pushed her. But the sentiment I agree with completely, do things happen for you Mm -hmm. or do they happen to you? So even like those choices, which they are very much choices, are going to determine whether that thing breaks you or makes you. That, that is just the reality of it. And when you can look at it as, okay, my story is this. Um, I'm growing up in a low-income household. My brother steals a piece of jewelry, mm-hmm. I think. And I'm, I shot my brother. And the way that I choose to look at that is that is proof that I will never be taken advantage of by anybody, that I can't be taken advantage of, that the very fact that even my family, I will put my foot down and I will not let somebody take from me. So, okay, that's powerful. Now that's Jay-Z's real life story, right? Mm -hmm. So when you understand that like, that's one framing, the other framing that could be told about those same events is, my family doesn't love me enough to let me have my things. And that, even somebody who's supposed to care the most about me in the world, they don't care. And if somebody like that doesn't care, and I'm such a bad person that I would shoot them, that if that most core relationship in my life is that dysfunctional, then this is all a lie. Family's a lie. I'm a lie. I'm a bad person. They're the same circumstances but you can take this radically different framing. And so Lori could have done the same thing, right? She could have blamed herself and, oh, I'm weak that this would happen and, oh, I'm stupid that I allowed this to happen. Or it can be, whoa, we're all, there are consequences to our choices. We have to think very carefully about our choices and remember that we are always in control, that we can take a different action and get a different result. And that's how she frames it in her real life. Mm. And because of that, this stuff empowers her. Because of that, even hitting rock bottom becomes something that is, eye-opening because she chooses to look at rock bottom is a good thing. It's an empowering thing. It's a moment from which you can only go up. And because she has all of that framing around it, when she hits it and recognizes it, it's like, oh, okay, this isn't a place to stay. This isn't a permanent state. This is something that I need to think about that I need to interject meaning into and interject meaning that is powerful. And in that it's going to re-energize me, get me focused on the right things. I'm going to make those new choices and I'm going to get a new result. So it comes down to that, the meaning that you assign things.
1: Yeah. Now, what do you say to, I guess, the teens and the kids who are watching this and who are going through bullying currently? I mean, it's one of those things that as adults, we can take the idea of bullying and the idea of being at rock bottom and we can choose to be happy. We can choose to pick ourselves up whereas how can i put this a younger person who lacks the experience of life and the maturity uh to know that you can pick yourself up it may be harder i mean do you agree with that
0: I, I very much agree with it, and I agree with it for uh, an even more terrifying reason, which is hiding in the word maturity is that their brain hasn't even finished developing mm, yet. That's right. Of so yes. the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, the um, thing that like sparks off the huge emotions, it's overactive in a child. They also don't have the executive functions fully formed. So they truly are Out of control like Mm. they don't have the ability to put forth the kind of discipline that an adult has and so even just at like a brain wiring standpoint they are at such a terrifying deficit Mm. and this is one of the reasons i don't have kids (laughs) is i was just thinking (laughs) jesus there is a reason that i think it was aristotle said the only impossible job is raising children Because one, they can grow up in the same household and it just, your parenting style works with one of them, it doesn't work with the other. They assign meaning to something, that doesn't make sense to have assigned that meaning, but there's like, you can't unwind it. Their brain isn't fully developed, and so you're dealing with somebody who is literally out of their mind. Like, it's, it's like dealing with a crazy person.
1: I always say it's like dealing with someone with dementia.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> that you've willingly invited into your life, yeah. by the way, and you have to pay for their college. So <laughs> it's like, Jesus. So all of that is like beyond terrifying. So here's what I would do, but I preface this, and I'm gonna give you all my thinking on this, but I preface this by saying this is hard. And so if what I say seems cheap or too facile, uh, that is because I don't think there is a way to, to really deal with the intricate nuance of all this stuff without just getting to the point where you say, it's fucking hard. So here's how I think about it, and here's what I would do if it were my child because you have to at least try something. Okay, so first and foremost, I think that um, one of the things that kids have to buy into is why somebody is doing that and mm-hmm. what exactly it is that they're doing. Okay, So it is going to be of absolutely no consolation to say that this person is bullying you because it's something about them. It's an insecurity in them. It makes them feel powerful, whatever. So, But what I would say is when somebody's bullying, they are reveling in how it makes them feel bigger and stronger and more powerful than you. So the really bad news is the only way to take that away from them is to be totally unfazed by it. So turn your back and walk away. But you're going to have to still deal with that emotion. Or the reality is you have to be able to turn and face it. And you have to. Essentially back them down. Now that doesn't mean that it has to become a physical altercation, but you have to remember that first of all, people are going to choose something to pick on you almost always that's true, that you're insecure about. So yeah. if you're short, they're gonna make fun of you for being short, like me. Dude, the thing that I got made fun of relentlessly for were my ears. And because my ears were adult size when I was sick, like it just Christopher, it was straight comedy. Size like ears. it was straight comedy. So like they just used to make fun of me relentlessly for it and my own like cousins and stuff like they just made fun of me all the time and so i finally had to lean in so if you started making fun of me for it i would turn towards you i would square off to you and i would make a way funnier joke about myself than you could ever Mm, make mm -hmm. and it was just like it robbed everybody of the power because Uh. i wasn't going to let it hurt me not I was going to pretend it didn't hurt me I wasn't going to let it hurt me so I needed to own it I needed to one-up you with the joke I needed to be funnier I needed to get a reaction from everybody to steal from you so now you couldn't Mm. make other people laugh because I was going to show you weren't nearly as funny as I was so that was my way of like standing up for it now obviously there are other ways where you really can develop yourself to the point where you can't be bullied because you've got some physical prowess there's <laughs> why is that funny
1: i was just laughing because that that is the you know the the old age especially with, with boys I, I mean i can think of so many fathers it's just like look you know hey if they're bullying you just fight back can we enrage the audience for a second sure mm-hmm. if i had kids
0: there's only one thing that would be mandatory and that's three years of MMA. Oh, really? That's it, Wow! not piano, Mm -hmm. not track and field. (laughs) Three years, you're doing three years of MMA. Because it's the one thing that like, I really, really wish I had done that as a kid, Mm -hmm. for sure. And there, I remember my dad was like, and this was like his pride and joy story. Growing up, he was being bullied. Mm -hmm. And somebody told him, that kid is gonna bully you until you stand up for yourself. Mm and the kid bullied him once and happened to be at the top of the stairs. My dad turned around and decked him in his <laughs> mouth and the kid fell down the stairs. And my dad became like the hero. Oh, and yeah. no one ever fucked with him again. Yeah. And so that was, I mean, for better or worse, that was always the story that my dad told me, but I was the mm-hmm. chicken. So anytime that I was being bullied, I didn't do that. The only thing I knew how to use was humor, but I was scared physically. I mm. didn't want something to go to a fight because I was afraid I was going to get my ass beat. Mm-hmm. So that is like arming a kid with that so that they really can stand up for themselves they're not afraid they can protect themselves Ah, it it just makes sense and i think that in the popular world today that makes me a bad parent so everybody can calm down i'm not going to have kids um so i can just own my terrible parenting advice um but whatever it is you have to teach your kid to um not slink away into a corner so they've got to own it emotionally they've and I would just want them to own it intellectually, but I don't think kids are prepared for that. Like you could just say, look, they they do feel good for bullying you. And no matter what anybody tells you, oh, it's coming from a place of insecurity, it is. But the way that they're dealing with that insecurity is by actually becoming powerful. They are holding dominion over you. And that feels really good. And it's not gonna be for a very long time before they really start to feel icky about that. Mm -hmm. So if you're patient, like I had a guy come (laughs) up to me And I was, I don't know, probably in my late 20s, maybe even early 30s. And we bumped into each other. And he was like, I just really want to apologize to you for being a dick in high school. And I was like, I've so moved beyond that. Like, I'm not even worried about it. I was like, dude, that's so sweet. But, Uh, like, for better or worse, I haven't thought about you once since high school. So, but that's because as I got older, I got my head around, I'm in control of myself and I can Mm -hmm. make changes. So if I was being made fun of for something that's real, I've gotta just man up and decide either I'm going to address it or I'm not. And if I'm not going to address it, then don't let it bother you because it's something that you've lowered in your list of priorities you just don't give a shit about. So, but I don't think a kid can take all of that in. But the reality is, do you remember that I did this phone call? So we had this guy right in and he was like, hey, my little brother's being bullied, it's really severe and he's being bullied for being overweight. And I said, I want to talk to your brother. I want to get in front of him. And so I do this Skype call with him. And midway through the Skype call, I realize every tactic I know how to do is for a like 24 year old. Mm -hmm. It's not for a 12 year old. Because even like the words I would start to use, like, oh, he's not gonna understand what I'm talking about. So I thought, wow, I'm really defenseless. But that didn't change that the punchline was, if you love yourself, even though you're overweight, that's going to rob them of 90 percent of the pain mm-hmm. it'll still hurt sometimes because it sucks yeah. to think other people don't dig you but like 90 percent of it dissipates and if you're not happy with yourself and you yourself feel like i am out of control and i don't look the way that i want to look and i don't feel the way that i want to feel and i'm not eating the way that i want to eat then you're a very easy target and you have to own that you can make a change and get a different result and i was like god nobody <laughs> wants to hear that mm-hmm. that's the fucking truth christopher like, at the end of the day, all of us, even when we're young, we have to own that if someone's coming at us for something that we don't like about ourselves, mm-hmm. we gotta change it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we gotta, yeah, we have to take the power away. That, that is for sure. And, you know, and speaking for myself, you know, I don't, I, I can't imagine. I feel like most people, at some point or another, most people were bullied, whether it's with words, whether it's physical. Um, just you know, it's just almost a rite of passage. Even the popular kids get bullied by their own friends. Um, and I remember I was physically and uh, verbally bullied uh, by kids in school because I moved every three years, and I always had to reestablish my ground every time mm-hmm. I moved. You know, my dad was in the army. Every time I moved, I had to reestablish popularity. And it's that sounds so sick and corny to say reestablish. Popularity, like it was a goal. Oh,
0: really? But
1: everywhere I moved, I always became popular. It just happened. But because I always became popular, it kind of didn't become a goal. But it became like, okay, what do I got to do to get, get past these punks who right. are, uh, <laughs> you know, who don't know me yet, but they're gonna know me. Uh, but yeah, so and I, I remember this, this one kid, Clarence, who was awful, and I knew why he was bullying me. and Everything he bullied me about were, were his problems, and I kind of knew my mom always put that in my head. It was hard to get around it. It was hard to get around it, but I had to take the power back. And I had to decide, I was like, is it going to be physical or is it going to be verbal? And the funny thing is, uh, many times I I chose a physical route, being a typical boy, you know, growing up in the 80s. uh, And a lot of times it backfired. I just wasn't afraid to go physical. Uh, The only different thing was I knew that my brothers would always (laughs) have my back, (laughs) my older brothers. So that's what kept me okay about it. I was like, yeah, I may get punched in the face, but this will happen. Um, But to your point um i was lucky enough to realize that you had to empower yourself you had to take the power back like mm-hmm. you said taking the power back by doing jokes uh like you said ha- taking the power back uh by you know by loving yourself as lori says and also lori has the i show you focus i'll show you focus so um yeah i, I mean i was lucky enough to do that and it's one of those things that yeah as hard as it is for kids and teens to understand. I know we have a lot of viewers who are young. I see them in the comments. But I think the thing is to always reiterate, even if it's gonna be hard, this is what you need to do, plain and (laughs) simple.
0: Yeah, and uh, look, I think that people just have to embrace, sometimes the answer is get tougher. Yeah. It just is. And having that I'm gonna show you mentality to me is way powerful. And that's one of the, it's one of the things in my bag of motivations, right? It's not my only motivation. It's not even my dominant motivation, but it's in my bag of motivation. And when you are in the middle of something, sometimes the only piece that's going to show up for you, that's going to give you the energy that you need is that I'm going to show you like that. I. I don't wanna get up, I don't wanna push, I just wanna be done right no fucking way because I know there are people right now that are saying, just watch, this guy's gonna fail. And I'm like, I won't have it. I won't let that be true. I won't give them the satisfaction. And that's definitely a dark side thing, it's definitely a 20 percenter, but it's like, it's there and it's real and it's powerful. And so, yeah, I use that from time to time.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, Well, Lori, her I'll show you uh, accomplishment was um, her friends called her a whale which is terrible and she was gonna dive into the swimming pool Uh, and the fact that it was her own friends but her uh, I'll show you solution was to get fit take care of her body but then of course uh, we've heard the story many times before she realized that externally improving yourself eventually does not make a difference if you don't work on the inside. Mm. Uh, and I'm glad that she was open and candid about that. Uh, and I think it's, you know, the biggest misconception of transformation. And not only a misconception, we see it all the time in social media and on Instagram. I see it all the time with my friends. I know so many people who have changed their body uh, because of bullying or whatever reason, because they weren't happy with the way they look, but they have not worked on the inside. I feel like it's the case most time. most times i don't know if if that's what you think from your observations yeah i for sure and
0: working on the outside is very easy it's like the correlate that i drew in the episode is money the body it's kind of all the same thing you're focused on that you're not focused on the emotion you're not and and by that i mean and it's it was so interesting to hear her say that her real transformation came when she began to serve others right Mm -hmm. so look Service has become this, like, it's becoming a, a stupid word now. It's like, it's losing its meaning. It's like people now feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be of service. No, it's not like that. This is, this is an evolutionary thing. We are social creatures. It is so baked into our brain to really experience a profound sense of joy and pride when we're able to help others. It is, it is an immeasurably powerful neurochemical state and even even in do you know what the so i don't know the 12 steps and 12 step program but i know the punchline. there's one step that if you don't do they say you will for sure relapse do you know what the one step is no step 12 help somebody else are you serious yep what out of all the steps out of all the steps once (laughs) you start helping somebody else which then congruence and it reinforces in you there's all of that but there's also the whoa like this feeling that i get from being there when they needed me helping them through something really connecting being my raw vulnerable self and seeing that another human like meets me and where you know there's love and respect and like all of that you're like this feels great and at the end of the day i think it was kelsey Grammer that said this cocaine's a hell of a drug (laughs) you do it because it's awesome
1: yeah Uh uh-huh
0: And it's only that it's so awesome that then it also, you do it too much and it has Mm -hmm, like these, mm -hmm. you know, ramifications physically that create mental ramifications, becomes a real problem. But you do it because it's rad. So people are going to go where the radness lies. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. Mm -hmm. And so doing the work, being of service is the radness. It is the thing that you're going to be like, fuck, this is dope, man. Mm -hmm. I love this feeling. And so like today, I was with Max Lugavir, and Max Lugavere is just an awesome dude. Mom gets diagnosed with dementia and his every priority in his life flips upside down. And he realizes, I need to learn about this to not only help my mom, but to help all the other people that are going through something like this, to make it better, to make it easier, to make it avoidable. And it lights him on fire. And now being around him, Because he so wants to help. It's like, then I wanna help him. And Mm -hmm. like, we're like having a great time with each other and really enjoying talking and pushing and sharing ideas because it's like, you get caught up in that loop of like, wow, this makes me feel really good. Mm -hmm. Like, the thought of helping somebody um, not suffer through something that I had to suffer through, like, it's fucking rad. Mm -hmm. So, that's the like punchline of all this stuff is the reason that Lori got into being of service is that it feels so damn good and it helped her then really show up in a way that other people could pick up on that it wasn't this sort of gross icky thing coming from a dark place that it she just radiated like excitement and joy Mm -hmm. and like a lot of life is energy transfer and by that i mean very simply when you're with that person what do they do to your own energy how do they make you feel Do they Mm -hmm. amp you up do they bum you out like is it awkward and that plays in I think a lot to her success
1: yeah oh for sure for sure and I, and I love the whole idea of, of helping others to feel good and to the point where obviously it's not transactional and because um, I, I, I'm the same way it's something that I've realized uh, throughout life and just networking um, that when you do help people it, it, it does make you feel good it makes you feel good about yourself it makes you feel good for that person it, uh, it develops great relationships Uh, I'm always surprised when people are out there to kick people down and take them down. That always surprises me when I meet people like that. Mm. That takes way too much energy. That takes way too much energy. I have a friend who, man, I'm telling you, he's always putting people down. He always has something bad to say about people. He never celebrates anyone else's winnings. He celebrates failures like it's a party. It's (laughs) unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And I could see it draining his energy. I could mm. sit there and physically see him getting drained by his own hatred. And it's nuts to me that people will take the time to bring people down instead of lift them up, because it's so much easier. And it feels mm. so much better to lift people up. So I, I even told him that once. I'm like, you know, it feels good to compliment people. <laughs> and I mean, he was like, what are you talking about? He had no idea what I was talking about. Right. But it's unbelievable that there are so many people out there who are willing to just uh, take people down. But the act of service, it's interesting because um, clearly that's kind of been the path of your career that you went from, you know, uh, before Quest, you got into Quest because you wanted to help people in the mind and the body. And now with impact theory, you're doing it to affect and impact people, person to person and globally. So uh, it's kind of interesting uh, that Lori is talking about that on this show. Um, But if you want to talk a little bit about your journey and why you chose uh, to go into the service industry.
0: The, the service industry, I like that. Like, no, no, yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. That actually, sounds kind of cool. Um, so for me, it really comes down to Eckhart Tolle has this concept of the eternal now, right? So all you really experience, like imagine your life as a timeline, and then put like a little bracket over it that's like it's hovering over the moment that you're in right now. And once you realize that all of those things on the timeline, from the stuff in the past to the stuff in the future, they, they are only real right now in the moment that you're in. So your past are just memories that you have, and I could alter your past by altering your memories and you wouldn't know any differently. And your future doesn't exist. So it's its really just this moment and your life is a series of this moment. and. There is no grand like, oh, I enter an alternate state of consciousness if I achieve X, Y, Z. So if I get rich, if I get famous, if I uh, become the CEO, like none of that stuff changes your like the way that you're going to exist in the world. Like I'll tell a story. So um, I was like almost weird about losing my virginity because I was convinced that it was going to fundamentally shift the world somehow. What? And that, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know if I expected colors to be different or like what. <laughs> so it was like a big deal for me. And because of that, when it happened and I was like, oh, yeah, th- like, everything's yeah. the same. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, that was like, that really stuck with me. And I remember thinking, I bet a lot of things are like that where you think that Your now is somehow going to be different because you've experienced X, Y, Z, and it's really not. So once you really begin to understand, okay, I need to optimize for the now. What am I going to enjoy right now? Not if I cross the finish line, not if I get a million dollars, not if I win the Super Bowl, but like, what can I do that's going to make my now super awesome? And I will just tell you, your now is not super awesome if you win the Super Bowl, except in the moment of winning the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And when the fucking ticker tape is falling, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty fucking rad (laughs) foul. And so I get why people fight for that. But let me tell you, the only way to make the now leading up to that, and Carrie Walsh Jennings talked about that in her episode, where she was like, for four years, all I thought about was winning the gold medal, and it wasn't any fun. has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply i thought wow that's interesting and so she had more fun when she got the bronze because she told herself that hey come what may, like I wanna enjoy this process, I Mm -hmm. wanna be aware, I wanna have my head up and look around and connect with my partner and like all the things, connect with my family. And so she said, even though it really sucked and it hurt to not win the gold, it was more fun as a process than the time she actually won the gold. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting. And so that's the now, right? So if you're trying to really do something extraordinary with your life, the whole key is you've gotta figure out how to enjoy the now. So I had built this company, and one that made a lot of money from that and so but i knew that the only thing like the winning or making of the money wasn't something that was going to last into the future it was just one of those now moments and once it became a past moment it wasn't going to be able to help me in the now so unless it fundamentally changed how i thought about myself which i promise money will not change how you think about yourself then All I'm gonna have is the now, and the now is based on how I feel about myself when I'm by myself and whatever I'm experiencing at that exact moment. It's like our now, right now, is to be in this room, just the two of us talking about this. That is the reality of our now. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't enjoy the two of us being together talking about this subject in the now, then That was a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it all comes down to building this company was what is the thing that has filled the most number of nows with something that is the radness. Mm -hmm. And that thing for me has been building a skill set. So I'm always working to get better. So whatever I'm gonna do, it's gonna require me to stretch, grow, and get better. So I don't currently know how to execute and beat Disney at their own game. So every day I'm thinking about that and that's super enjoyable for me. The other thing is being able to leverage that skill set that I've worked my ass off so that I get to shine, right? So I wanna shine. And then the third thing is I want to be working to develop this amazing skill set that allows me to shine in the service of helping other people. When I have those three things, I have a sense of deep fulfillment, and people can try to knock me off that, and Mm. they can't because I know what my motivations are. I know how true they are. I know it really is what I'm saying. I know that I really live what I say. I know that if somebody like catches me out at like you know um, the example I always use, they wake me up in the middle of the night, they punch me in the head, and they ask me a question. I'm gonna (laughs) give the same fucking answer because it just really is me. Uh So that like because all of that is true, because I'm congruent with all the things that I say, because can I? Can i share something that's really gross because it's super braggy so this morning lisa i'm brushing my teeth and i you know this week has been just insanity Mm. so i've been working Mm -hmm. so much and Mm -hmm. so um i i had a feeling that she wanted to say something so i had taken my headphones off for a second and she steps out of the shower and she sees that i have my headphones on she's like you don't have your headphones on and she was like i just really wanted to tell you this but i haven't wanted to interrupt you like you're a machine she was like as much credit as you give me for the gym she was like i just want to say like the amount you work is pure insanity and the amount that like you're really trying to build this and you're really trying to do it and she's like i'm just so proud of you and i was like wow like thank you so much like that's so meaningful and so because I know that that's me, that the person who sees me at my most intimate moments, the moments where I could hide and nobody would ever fucking know Christopher <laughs> if I wasn't working, you know what I mean? At like midnight on a Saturday, nobody's gonna know if Jeez, I'm working or yeah. I'm sleeping, um, except my wife. Uh huh. And for her to be like, you are who you say you are, yeah. that was fucking rad. So because, yeah. because I have that, like I know what makes my now. So there's no, nobody can come and, and make me feel bad. So there's like this, you want to talk about being impervious, being impervious to bullies, being impervious to failure, because I know what I 'm trying to do, and none of it is about crossing a finish line mm.
1: Mm. Wow, that's great that 's great if you did that too. I mean that's, uh, I think having the closest people around you take a moment to actually kind of reaffirm what you 're doing uh, with a compliment, uh, but a, that comes from a genuine place where they're impressed. Mm. It's it's an amazing thing. You know what I mean? mean, Because people don't do that too often, even when it's uh, your wife. (laughs) I mean, that sounds awful. When I say that, I hope Brendan's not listening to this. Like, are you saying something? But I mean, just in in a general sense. Yeah. Um, So the balance between working out and enjoying it, she touched upon that uh, specifically, but also um, thematically. So I, I guess with her more so, it was the balance of working on yourself and enjoying it um and i found that interesting because uh, it does take work and i think a a lot of reasons why people don't work on their transformation physically or mentally is because they're afraid or they're at least acknowledging the work that it's going to take because it's not going to come easy Mm. um you can begin feeling good about yourself by begin trying to be happy and and, and beginning to actually uh take time uh, for yourself and work hard at whatever you're doing but i think it takes a lot of work uh any tips uh to to get people to find the balance between, um, or if you even agree that uh, there needs to be a balance between uh, working on yourself and enjoying it.
0: Well, I will say that I think that whatever you do, ultimately you need to enjoy it, even if it is the enjoyment that comes from being proud of doing something very difficult. So I believe that fulfillment actually, usually comes from suffering. It comes from doing something hard. It comes from delaying gratification, not doing the easy thing. Um, So that real deep sense of pride, which is just a joy beyond all joys, it comes from doing the difficult things. So I think that if you're doing something that doesn't give you that pride, so even if the thing is hard, if it's not giving you that pride, I don't think there's any reason to do it. So um, if momentary happiness were truly sustainable, then... I would be all for that but the problem is momentary happiness just like the cocaine example it works at first and it works um, occasionally but when you're in a routine where that's all you have then you've really got nothing like for instance if i could sustain that moment where um lisa and i are you know uh kissing after taking our vows and then looking out at our family. If I could sustain that moment forever, like that was pure pleasure and one of the greatest moments of my life. If I could sustain that moment where my mom told me I was a superhero, um, that was an awesome moment. I would sustain that for the rest of my life. If I could sustain the moment where, you know, when the money first hit our account and I realized, fuck, I've worked so hard for this and it actually happened, I would. But you can't, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. now it becomes, okay, well, if momentary happiness is this insanely transient thing and to really have something lasting, it's got to be to be proud of who I am and who I'm striving to be, then I'm just going to put the work in. So I don't, I, I understand what she's saying, and I actually agree with what she's saying. But to me, it isn't necessarily about balancing. It's about understanding that you need that sense, deep sense of well-being, that deep sense of pride in who you are and who you're becoming, and that to get to that, you're going to have to work your ass off.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Uh, I love her comment and her quote. Actually, uh, next level life comes with next level problems. To me, it was almost a spin on uh, Biggie's line that he no took for money. From pro- <laughs> no problems. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I, it's. I, I love that because as time goes on, uh, I start to realize and learn from you know people that I interact with, whether it's on the show, whether it's in business or just friends, whatever. That people need to be prepared for those next level problems. And I think, again, uh, it falls into that category that money won't always buy you happiness uh, and, uh, and, and all those other sayings that people expect that when they get to the next level, when their life uh, becomes validated by a, a bigger importance or whatever, um, they don't realize that there's a lot of potential for those next level problems. Um, so any examples, any particular examples where you've jumped into some next level problems? <laughs> yeah, well, it's really
0: interesting. So mo money, mo problems for real. And the reason that that's true <laughs> is that, really think about this for a second. If, if I said to you, hey, Christopher, there is um, a soccer match this weekend with your friends, but if you guys win, you personally get $1.5 million you would take that really seriously. And let's say that you played, in the, now, and first let's establish why. So you take it seriously because you'd start thinking, okay, my son, what I could do for my son, mm-hmm. he'd never have to worry again. And it's not like, you know, Mansions and Dom Perion, but it's, College is definitely yeah. taken care of. He walks away from it debt-free. Um, you know, I, could, I could have a c- secret stash of money for myself so that if everything, anything ever went wrong in my life, I know, okay, we, we've got this lean on, a medical problem, whatever, like, it's there. Like whew, Okay, that's a, a really big deal. And then you win the game and you get the 1.5 million and you check your bank account and it's there. And then, then I say, but you've got to fight this guy and his deal is if he beats you up, then he gets the money. All of a sudden the stakes in that fucking fight are crazy Mm -hmm. and your heart's going to be beating out of your chest because now there's stakes and it becomes i'm fighting for my son i'm fighting for his future Mm -hmm. i'm fighting for my wife and i'm fighting for like protecting what we have okay now it also brings out the crazy in people where it's like why do you have that thing that i don't have and Mm -hmm. people start to get this real sense of like That's unjust, it's unfair. And now Mm. they're coming after you. So nobody ever sued me when I was poor. (laughs) And now I've been sued, I don't know, what? At least seven times, Mm. probably more. So it, but those people aren't suing for any reason other than they feel justified. Mm. They really believe that either you have something it, it's too much it's gross you have a gross amount and so mm-hmm. i should be able to take some of that mm-hmm. for whatever crazy reason which by the way they would never they wouldn't even cross their mind when i was poor
1: that's true so yeah. it's
0: not like oh they were lining up to sue but then they thought well i'll never get anything out of this anyway so i yeah. won't it just doesn't cross their mind so it it takes people to this really weird place and that's why it is dude i remember michael jordan said this and in, in, i read this when i was dirt poor but he said you know it's really interesting all my friends now just assume i'll pick up the tab. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like that's kind of gnarly. Yeah. And so when you're with somebody who like goes out of their way to make sure that they don't let you pay for everything mm-hmm. because they've got the internal pride of like i don't want you to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it that's very different. And to be that person, to be like I'm me, I'm doing my thing, I'm going to make something happen in my life. I have no interest in taking something from somebody. This is why I don't play the lottery. I don't want to win something like mm-hmm. that. So that, like, that's but one example of what she's talking about. That when <laughs> every time you ratchet up to where somebody wants your level of fame, somebody wants what they perceive as your level of prestige, importance, power in your job, like whatever it is, like... People who haven't done the hard work to be like, I want to develop me for me. I want to earn my spot in this company by outperforming everybody else. I don't want to earn it by clawing somebody down. But like talking to, um, we just had uh, Donald Sujo on the show, Mm -hmm. comes from communist Albania. And he said, communist Albania was hard as hell, but it was better than when communism fell. Mm -hmm. And then there was nobody to keep people in check. And people were just running riots, stabbing people in the streets, seeing other countries where people had wealth and going, why do you have that and I don't? And so mm. then they start robbing and forming gangs. And he was like, it was crazy because a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people, their first reaction is what is the easiest path to get this? And the answer mm. is force. Mm. The answer is conniving. The answer is backstabbing or trying to break people down instead of saying, I'm going to build something. Yeah. Most many people, mm-hmm. their first reaction is to tear down. And so that's where the more money, more problem thing, as what you get becomes more powerful that people know, if I had that, I could leverage it to get things that I want, or I think it's gonna change how I feel about myself. So they come at you. It's just a, it's
1: true. It's the craziest thing. I mean, and there's something, when you made that Michael Jordan comment, it, remind, it reminds me, I should speak in the present, I see it all the time, you know, living in this city, you know, almost all of us have some type of a friend, whether it's in business or celebrity world or whatever. And I, you know, I have a particular friend who's on TV and many times we're out in group dinners. Uh, the tab comes and, and you I swear to God, people just turn their heads <laughs> and look at them. I'm like, is this happening? And it's crazy because I not once have I ever done that not once ever i just don't feel good about that that's terrible mm. i i just can't imagine or even fathom just assuming oh because this person makes an ass load uh of money that they're gonna pay for my dinner that's just crazy yeah they'll be like oh, yeah, let's go out to eat it's it's you know even i even i've seen people ask and say hey let's go out to eat let's go out to dinner oh yeah and a bunch of us will go out and then still the tab comes and they just pause The pause. And I'm just like, man, are you kidding me? They don't even fake it. They don't even do that. Oh, What? What? It's insane. It's insane. Um, So, yeah. So, uh, Tony Robbins quote, ask yourself if the worst thing that happened to you was the best thing that happened to you. Am I getting that right? Um, Ask yourself how the worst thing that happened to you is actually the best thing. Okay. So, Lori, um, her whole rock bottom thing, she says rock bottom. She actually used that. uh to her benefit and she said she after being at rock bottom she she had the clearest focus um it's kind of hard to imagine uh i don't think i've ever been at rock bottom i don't want to say that yet because i I know i can get lower uh i've been at the rock at rock bottom emotionally or grief wise when my mom passed Mm -hmm. away but you know i don't want to consider that rock bottom because you know that's just the natural order of life um but yeah so but how do you take that how do you have any type of focus after hitting rock bottom and taking that and elevating yourself
0: well so i'll say that i never really hit rock bottom either but from what people say i think what rock bottom really is is it's the moment where you're so disgusted with yourself so fed up that you simply can't accept doing that another day and that's why change happens like here, here, is, here is just a truth people don't like, but it is very real and very powerful. Self-disgust is an incredible motivator. Self-disgust? Just, self-disgust is a powerful motivator. And if you are disgusted by who you are, there's nothing left but action. Because you can't be there anymore. You can't sit in that like people just they will either find a way to explain it away or they will take immediate and powerful action and Mm. that's why it's pretty powerful when she says i don't want to rob people of their rock bottom yeah it's like because she knows in that moment there's so much power there's so much self-loathing and self-disgust that if you can then aim that in the right direction of i'm never going to be like this again it can propel people to some incredible heights and can really end up being a beautiful moment in people's lives mm-hmm. once they can own it and they can take responsibility for it and they can talk about it. And it's, you know, it's not something they're trying to be secretive about. It's like, I hit it. I was not okay with who I'd become, but I knew I could become somebody better. Like, mm. that's incredible. And, and I think the most beautiful example of that, in the public eye anyway, is Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. And when I think <laughs> yeah. about dude when they announced that he was iron man i was like y'all are crazy like how are you going to get that guy in short? yeah like that that's that's a risk that they're yeah, taking that was a but around. but he was like nah, yeah, i'm not coming back here yeah and and he never did yeah. but you don't get to that point if you don't hate it that much
1: yeah that makes sense i mean this isn't i didn't have a friend who ended up in someone's backyard a stranger's backyard but i um A friend of mine uh, was such a heavy drinker and we we all talked about it and we would always be like man you just get drunk all the time you're always that guy just falls apart at a party and he just couldn't see it and it's funny cuz we weren't actively trying to help him but we were just trying to you know speak up and say wow man you're embarrassing yourself and I remember someone saying maybe didn't use the words rock bottom but it was something along those lines like he just needs to get there and realize that Mm. you know and i remember just waiting for when it was going to be and it's funny because his rock bottom was just being we were at some party in malibu we didn't even know whose hassle was and uh, he was just in the middle of the room we all walked in and it was (laughs) just this woman who he, he didn't even know and Hey, guys, how can I say this without sounding disgusting? She wasn't even remotely attractive, like not even remote. I mean, far from it. Uh, And he was just rolling around on the ground, making out with her. Clothes were coming off. Whoa. And we were like, what is happening? Uh, And this was God, this is before, um, you know, smartphones. We well, it was probably uh, we had flip phones, probably had a razor then or something like that. So no one could record it, which he was lucky. But it looked ridiculous. Even if it was uh, friggin' Naomi Campbell he was rolling on the ground with, it was embarrassing. Right. Because just whipping off his shirt, rolling around. And he was. And we just told him about it the next day. It was, we had nothing to show him. We just said, you know what you did? And he kind of remembered because he would always black out, and he was so embarrassed. And that guy, he didn't even go to AA. He never had a drop of alcohol again. Wow. <laughs> he was so sober. It's unbelievable. So, I mean, that's not as far... Uh, down as uh, Robert Downey Jr. But it was interesting. Uh, and it comes back to your line um, and what she's saying, too, about uh, self-disgust. Because uh, he was very disgusted with himself. Because he could see that we were disappointed is the wrong word, but we just collectively were like, yo, everyone was looking at you at the party. Like, who is right. that guy rolling around on the ground whipping his shirt off in the middle of a party? Yeah. In a friggin' mansion in Malibu. But yeah, it turned him around. So I guess that makes sense he's That's not had a, had a drop of alcohol he's a different person no it's good that he was able to leverage that <laughs> of all things but yeah so um Lori talks about the notion of rewriting your story and you have to make your life meaningful uh, pretty much um I, I to me that was interesting rewriting your story when I first heard it, it sounded a little bit I don't know um I don't want to use a word because it's like I'm criticizing it but it, it just didn't resonate with me rewriting your story is like, what well you're gonna lie and tell people a different story about right. yourself but but it goes back to what I said earlier in this conversation. I had to do it uh, a lot. Every time I moved somewhere, I had to kind of regain my popularity. But a lot of that came with the notion of knowing that you could reinvent yourself. Mm. And I told this story once before, where this one kid was just far from popular at my school in Kentucky. Short, pipsqueak, something very embarrassing happened to him. And it just deflated everything. Mm. It deflated his status. Um, then I moved to Germany. That was middle school. I moved to Germany during my high school years. And there's this guy there, and he plays on the football team. And he was tall, good looking. All the girls loved him. All the guys wanted to be him. And he looked very familiar. And I realized it was, you know, uh, the kid from middle school. And he was able to reinvent himself, to rewrite his story. And it wasn't like faking the funk. Right. He just had the opportunity. And in this case, he had the opportunity because he moved. And uh, and it was it was one of the amazing it's one of the amazing things about being uh, in military life uh, and being able to move around that you can take that power. So it kind of clicked when I started thinking about my life and being able to kind of rewrite your story. And it feels almost um, creative, like uh, like a superhero like narrative. Rewrite your story. Uh, what are your thoughts on rewriting your story?
0: So I think if you think of it as oh, this is you know going back and you're changing details to something that didn't really happen, then that's dangerous. And, yeah. and you'll always know that it's fake and it's mm-hmm. not gonna have the impact that you want it to have. But what Lori's talking about, and I think this is really powerful, is you're just assigning different meaning to the very same thing that happened. So like I was saying with jay story, there's two ways to frame it. They're both true factually, but you're assigning what it means to them from radically different angles. Mm-hmm. and what something means is what you carry forward, not the act itself. So if you're, you know, a guy and you lose in an MMA fight, let's say, or a street fight, whatever, and you take away from that, I'm weak, I'm bad, I'm you know, a wuss, then, you're gonna carry that forward with you. If on the other hand, you take, I need to train harder, I need to spend more time in the gym, I need to focus on this skill, you know, I'm weak on the ground or whatever, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it was a learning moment. So that wasn't me, like some proof that I'm weak, stupid, dumb, bad, unworthy. It was just, oh, it's pointing out a flaw in my game, it's showing me where I need to train and practice and get better. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person that learns from those things And suddenly it becomes this empowering moment. It's a never again moment. It's like, okay, I didn't like the way that that made me feel. And it showed me these things. And so I'm going to work on that. And I'm so proud of the fact that I'm the type of person that can look at that and say, this is what I need to do. I don't shy away from it. I lost. I got my ass beat. But let me tell you what I've done since then. And now I'm going to show people. I'm going to get better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to improve. And what I love about myself is my willingness to look at my inadequacies, my willingness to Drive into them and get better and work on them and focus and put the energy and effort to improvement Same exact situation, but one person is made smaller by the event and the other person Mm -hmm. is made bigger So it's rewriting like so the rewriting part is okay Let's say for the first 10 years you walk away and you say oh, I'm weak. I'm a wuss and you know um, I'm just the kind of guy that you know It's my lot in life to be knocked around and you know nobody gives me my due respect the whole Rodney Dangerfield, you know (laughs) Thing, (laughs) and then somebody makes you realize no, no no like there was a totally different lesson that not only could you have learned back then but you can learn right now still Mm -hmm. to this day and you can say okay yes i'm going to choose to look at that and say my priorities were such that i didn't prioritize getting good learning to fight whatever and so either i want to make that new priority now or i don't and once you like Look at it that way, then it's like, oh, I can become anything that I want. I can put energy into any direction that I want, and I choose not to get good at fighting. Okay, well, then my choices do have consequences, but what am I putting that energy into over here that other people aren't, wouldn't do, whatever? And so now, you know, whatever, you become a master writer, pottery, like gymnast, Mm -hmm. whatever, but you're putting that energy into something, and you realize now, ah, I'm in control of my life. Same exact things have happened but you've rewritten what they mean. And that rewriting of what they mean, even though it's something in the past, can completely change your present Mm -hmm. and
1: your future. Yeah, Uh, you know who Doug Flutie is? No. Doug Flutie, man, I gotta pitch him for the show, actually. Uh, What, God, I hope I could find a documentary on him. Uh, Probably not, because it's an NFL films documentary, and they're strict about it being out there on the web. But Doug Flutie, quarterback, uh, NFL quarterback. He also played for uh, for Canada. Um, tiny guy. I, I don't know his exact height, but he's short. No business being a quarterback. Um, prime example of rewriting your story. Uh, taking, uh, you know, being at a complete disadvantage and not getting the opportunity to play in the big leagues, but having to readjust how he plays, mm. right, pretty much. Um, and the guy has an amazing life story on top of, Uh, being a a great quarterback, he played for uh, the Patriots, Buffalo, San Diego. He, um, man, uh, he actually influenced tremendously, uh, the quarterback position because he realized he couldn't see over the line. So he had to be, uh, very mobile. He had to run around as much as he could just to get the ball down the field. He had to jump to get the ball down the field. He had to get incredibly agile to run around people. And he had to be a scrambling quarterback um prior to that you rarely saw that in the nfl something you only saw in college mm. um and even then it's just like you just you just didn't see it um amazing person but prime example in sports of someone rewriting their story and in turn influencing the game itself uh like uh, there would be no russell wilson without uh, doug flutie uh it's it's just nuts i mean i don't mean that exact but people know what i mean um so yeah so god we have time for one question sorry uh i will close with the no gossip rule no gossip rule um it's pretty it's it's self-explanatory no gossip but the reason i I love it because it's what i live by i i my friends know that when people start gossiping i just continually get up and leave right (laughs) i don't want to be any part of gossiping it's Mm. just it's uh, it's not effective it just isn't um, and I noticed, uh, the reason I wanted to bring this up is I saw in the comment section of this interview, a lot of people love uh, the fact that she talked about the no gossip role. Um, and you know, we sort of have that in this company from principles. Yep. Um, and, uh, I'll say it, but you can add to it that one of the things that we have is to record uh, conversation if we're talking about someone who's not in the room yeah. uh, and they can't be there to defend themselves. Um, uh, so, yeah. So I just want you to weigh in really quickly. We have about two minutes on the no gossip rule um, as it applies to Lori and a- as it applies to your principles. Yeah. So
0: I think that she's right on the money. It it draws people into a dark energy. It's just negativity. It's going back to that tearing something down instead of building something up, instead of looking for something positive in a way to buoy that person's personality to you know want good things for them and want to see them shine you're focusing on how they're worse than you or how they did something that's stupid and you click up and you're all like nattering about something that's hurtful and you know it's hurtful and you know that if the person hurt it they'd be really devastated not the least of which by the fact that just people are talking ill of them when they're not there which is such a weird feeling it's so unnerving so putting yourself in that position, and one, I think part of how it creates that darkness is one is you get more of what you focus on, so if you're focusing on the negativity in somebody, you're going to focus on the negativity in yourself, and then second, if you know in this relationship we're bonding over being negative about other people, then you know at some point you're the person that is the target of the gossip when you're not there, which creates that unease of what's it like when I'm not in the room, and part of the reason that frenemies are so toxic is you don't quite know where you stand with them. You're like drawn into this relationship, but it's really not a healthy relationship that makes you feel good about yourself. So yeah, just all of that stuff from an energy level, from just a neurochemistry, how do I feel about myself? How do I feel about the world? It's just taking you somewhere negative, dark, icky, like being around people that are positive and uplifting and are looking for the good things, paying people compliments, really looking for ways to connect, to serve, to build, like, Dude, you just want to be around that. That mm-hmm. feels awesome. It puts you in a better neurochemical state because you pick up on the energies of other people. It's, yeah, it's rad. And when somebody is, part of it is they they read as being very secure. When they don't want to engage in the gossip, which does make people feel elevated, and better than, superior, when they don't need that because they're already in a good place, it's like that's attractive, first of all. And then, Second, I think ultimately everybody from a just, oh, okay, I'm going to press a button and you're going to feel the way that you feel when you're gossiping about somebody. And then I'm going to press another button and you're going to feel the way that you feel when you help somebody win and they do something awesome and they're so grateful to you. Like neurochemically, I think everybody would say, oh yeah, this is actually a better experience. There's just something like we are, we can handle acute moments of pain better with anger and rage and all of that stuff. But in terms of like a long lasting, a more mellow high that like, really feels great and it's it's not that sort of peak valley thing Mm -hmm. is the fulfillment it's the joy of service it's you know all of those more beautiful uplifting uh gratitude being grateful for something like that stuff is the long lasting it's not quite as intense but it doesn't have that major come down and that's why i think it's a good good rule and then the reason we use it in principles is it's purely an element of trust you need to know exactly where you stand with people. Once you can trust them and you know that they're trying to help you see your flaws so that you can get better and they're Mm -hmm. not using it as a weapon, that they'd never use it when you're not there, that if they ever say something and you're not in the room, they either record it or tell you verbatim what they said. So that suddenly that puts you in a position where you feel like you can really trust people. And when you have that sense, they say the people that are most adventurous in life are the people that have the strongest home life. And I think that that's also true in business. The the teams that work most cohesively are the ones that have the most trust. There you have it. There it is. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact, talking about Lori Harder. If you haven't already, please do leave us a review on your um, podcast application of choice. It really helps a lot for us to move up the rankings. My dog is gagging to death. (laughs) So that would be amazing. It actually helps more than you know. So thank you guys so much for doing that. A nice five-star review would just be wonderful. And obviously only if we're adding value to your lives. But... Thank you for doing that ahead of time. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe here. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now